This audio production was made in collaboration with Audible Anarchist. Part 2 We will now consider how the peasants will go about driving the greatest possible benefit from their means of production, the land. Immediately after the revolution, the peasants will be faced with a mixed situation. Those who are already small proprietors will keep their plots of land and continue to cultivate it with the help of their families. The others, and they are by far the most numerous, rented the land from big landowners or were simply agricultural wage laborers employed by the owners, will take collective possession of the vast tracts of land and work them in common. Which of these two systems is best? It is not a matter of what is theoretically desirable, but of starting with the facts and seeing what can be immediately achieved. From this point of view, we say first in this mixed economy the main purpose of the revolution has been achieved. The land is now the property of those who cultivate it, and the peasants no longer work for the profit of an idle exploiter who lives by their sweat. This great victory gained, the rest is of secondary importance. The peasants, if they wish, can divide the land into individual parcels and give each family a share. Or else, this would be much better, they can institute common ownership and cooperative cultivation of land. Although secondary to the main point, i.e. the emancipation of the question of the peasant, this question on how to best work the land and what form of possession is best also warrants careful consideration. In a region which has been populated before the revolution by peasants owning small farms, where the nature of the soil is not very suitable for extensive large-scale cultivation, where agriculture has been conducted in the same way for ages, where machinery is unknown or rarely used, in such a region, the peasants will naturally conserve the form of ownership to which they are accustomed. Each peasant will continue to cultivate the land as he did in the past. With this single difference, his former hired hands, if he had any, will become his partners and share with him the products with their common labor extracts from the land. It is possible that in a short time, those peasants who remain small proprietors and will find it advantageous to modify their traditional system of production if so, they will first associate to create a communal agency to sell or exchange their products. The first associated venture will encourage them to try others of a similar nature. They would then, in common, acquire various machines to facilitate their work. They would take turns to help each other perform certain laborious tasks, which are better accomplished when they are done rapidly by a large team. And they would no doubt firmly imitate their brothers, the industrial workers, and those working on big farms, and decide to pool their land and form an agricultural association. But if they even, even if they linger for sonic years ill the same old routine, even if a whole generation should lapse before the peasants' ill-some communes adopt the system of collective property, it would still not constitute a serious hindrance to the revolution. The great achievements of the revolution will not be affected. The revolution will have abolished agricultural wage slavery and peonage, in the agricultural proletariat will consist only of free workers living ill, peace, and plenty, even in the midst of the few remaining backward areas. On the other hand, in large-scale agricultural operations, where a great number of workers are needed to farm vast areas, where coordination and cooperation are absolutely essential, collective labor will naturally lead to collective property. An agricultural collective may embrace an entire commune, autonomous regional unit, and if economically necessary for efficiency and greater production, many communes. 
In these vast communities of agricultural workers, the land not, will not be worked as it is today by small peasant owners trying without success to raise many different crops on tiny parcels of unsuitable land. There will not be growing side by side oil one acre, a little square of wheat, a little square of potatoes, another of grapes, another of fodder, another of fruit, etc. Each bit of land tends by virtue of its physical properties, its location, its chemical con composition to be most suitable for the success of a full cultivation of specific certain crops. Wheat will not be planted on soil suitable for grapes, nor potatoes on soil that could be best used for pasture. The agricultural community, if it has only one type of soil, will confine itself to the cultivation of crops which can be produced ill quantity and quality with less labor, and the community will prefer to exchange its products for those it lacks instead of trying to grow them in small quantity and poor quality on unsuitable land. The internal organization of these agricultural communities needs not be identical. Organizational forms and procedures will vary greatly according to the preferences of the associated workers. So long as they conform to the principles of justice and equality, the administration of the community elected by all the members could be entrusted either to an individual or to a commission of many members. It will not even be possible to separate the different administrative functions assigning each function but to a special commission. The hours of labor will not be fixed by a general law applicable to an entire country, but by the decision of the community itself. But as the community contracts relations with other agricultural workers of the region, an agreement covering uniform working hours will probably be reached. Whatever items are produced by collective labor will belong to the community, and each member will receive remuneration for his labor, either in the form of commodities, subsistence, supplies, clothing, etc., or in currency. In some communities, remuneration will be in proportion to the hours worked. In others, current payment will be measured by both the hours of work and the kind of work performed. Still, other systems will be experimented with to see how they work out. The problem of, having, of, of property having been resolved and there being no capitalist to place a tax on the labor of the masses, the question of types of distribution or enumeration becomes secondary. We should, to the greatest possible extent, institute and be guided by the principle, from each according to his ability to each according to his need. When thanks to the progress of scientific industry and agriculture, production comes to outstrip consumption, this will be attained some years after the revolution, it will no longer be necessary to stingily dole out each worker's share of goods. Everyone will draw what he needs from the abundant social reserve of commodities without fear of depletion, and the moral sentiment, which will be more highly developed among free and equal workers, will prevent or greatly reduce abuse and waste. In the meantime, each commodity will decide for itself during the transition period the method they deem best for the distribution of the products of associated labor. This has been a production of Audible Anarchist. You can find more Audible Anarchist on YouTube.